Welcome to This Week in James City County. I'm your host, Renee Dolman. Today we are joined by three guests that have been on the podcast several times before, so I'm very glad that you all have been able to join us again. To my left is Sharon Day. Sharon is the Financial and Management Services Director. Welcome, Sharon. Thank you. And to Sharon's left, we have Doug Powell. Doug is the General Manager for the James City Service Authority. Welcome, Doug. Thank you. And last but absolutely not least, we have Scott Stevens, James City County's County Administrator. Welcome, Scott. Great. Well, we are actually going to just throw it to you. Today's topic, your proposed FY2022 budget. I do want to again thank my fellow panelists here, Sharon Day and Doug Powell. We do want to give a broad overview to the proposed FY22 budget, see what kind of questions the community may have. Uh, if you're participating live, feel free to send your questions in over Facebook. We have someone monitoring that. You can call us at 757-253-6760. Again, 253-6760. Or you can email us during this meeting at community.meetings. Again, community.meetings at jamescitycountyva.gov. And so we would encourage questions during the live broadcast. I'll give some information after our, our live broadcast. And if you happen to watch this as a, uh, at a later time where you could send questions, and we won't respond live, but we will respond to any questions or comments you may have. Um, and again, we do have our executive leadership team available for questions as we go through this. We're all in the same room. We have, have had limited involvement in the, the room we're in, but we certainly wanted to have our leadership team available if there are questions from the community that Sharon or Doug or I, they're unable to answer. I will share the proposed budget represents six months of work by our departments, our financial management services, uh, JCSA staff, and our HR staffs to review the capital needs, the operating budgets, and additional positions that have been requested by our departments. There's a tremendous amount of effort that goes into putting a budget together and getting us to this point. You know, I'm confident in working with the departments over the last several years that they recognize uh, financial limitations in our community and they're reasonable in their request and ask for what they believe is required to serve our community. I do think our departments are very aware that they need to be able to defend and justify their requests. And as we go through those with them, uh, I continue to believe that they have that in mind when they're assembling their budgets. While the county is in great financial condition or position with AAA bond ratings from all three credit agencies, we've not recommended funding all that was requested by departments. And a lot of that is due to not having recurring revenues to support some of the operational costs that have been requested. The county has a two-year budget process and FY22 is the second year of our two-year budget. Uh, our FY22 proposed budget has some changes, but in general, our $224.4 million budget is an increase of $15.7 million, or 7.5%. This increase is primarily the result of our FY21 budget, our current year, being reduced because of the unknown impacts of COVID when we were presenting the budget to the board this time last year. Uh, I do want to mention, and Ms. Day will cover this in more detail, there is no property tax increase recommended. There is a cigarette tax, um, 40 cents per pack, is recommended beginning July 1st. Departments requested more than 25 new positions, and in the proposed budget, we're recommending funding 14 of those positions. And I am recommending the use of general fund savings or a portion of our fund balance to fund a portion of our one-time costs related to capital improvement pro uh, program. Uh, that total program being about 19.5 million and our fund balance uses being around 5.8 million. Uh, this funding is available due to the Board of Supervisors and School Board's effort 
at the end of last year, which resulted in a substantial addition to our savings. And our current budget year is trending well, and we expect we'll add more to our savings at the end of this fiscal year as well. I also want to recognize and thank our Board of Supervisors. They have just been delivered this budget last week, so they have some their work cut out over the next month. Uh, but our Chairman, Mr. Hipple, our Vice Chair, Mr. McGlennon, Ms. Larson, uh, Ms. Sadler, and Mr. Eisenhower, who's in the room with us here today, uh, for all of their support and effort working through the FY22 proposed budget. With that, I'll turn it over to Ms. Day and see what she'll carry us. So, Sharon. Yes, thank you, Mr. Stevens. So, as Mr. Stevens mentioned, he did release his proposed budget last Friday, March the 26th. And before we get into too many details of the budget itself, I did want to provide just a quick update on COVID-19 as we stand today in terms of the financial impl implications of that. Uh, the 22 budget process included those considerations um, and any impacts that we may need to make to our budget as a result of the COVID-19 impacts on our local economy in this area. The fiscal year 21 adopted budget addressed anticipated revenue shortfalls related to COVID-19 through reductions to expenditures as well as measures to conserve cash flow. The 22 plan assumed that we would really return to normal, uh, that we would have that economic recovery and a normalization of both revenues and expenditures. And as we stand today, um, although we are better than we have been trending over the past 12 months, we're really not fully back to normal yet. And so this provided us an opportunity to make changes to the 22 budget before it was adopted based on assumptions that we had made and what our actual experience really has been um, to date. Again, that's the information that we stand, where we stand today. We are anticipating that we'll have more adjustments um, as additional information is received. So just a quick overview, as Mr. Stevens mentioned, the county does have a two-year budget cycle. Fiscal year 22 is the second year of the biennial budget, and it continues to incorporate the strategic plan goals and initiatives. A few highlights on the overall budget, and this includes our general fund, also known as our operating fund, but also seven additional funds, and I'll provide some details on those through the presentation. But the total budget for 22, as proposed, is $224.4 million. That does represent a 15.7 or 7.5% increase over the current year 21 budget, but it actually reflects a decrease of $10.2 million or 4.3% from the fiscal year 22 plan. And again, that plan had assumed that we would return to normalization. The budget also includes the addition of 12 positions. In total, we had about 30 positions requested, 12 of which are funded, and that includes three part-time positions that would be converted to full-time positions. The budget also includes a 3% general wage increase for employees, effective October 1st, 2021, and the health insurance increase on an average of 3%, and the county shares that increase along with the employees. One change this year that I did want to note, and you'll also hear from Mr. Powell later today, the JCSA, our Water and Service Authority, will be presenting its own budget document this year. Um, as you're likely aware, there were some structural changes. Uh, the JCSA has always been a separate entity, but due to some organizational type changes, it just made sense for that entity to have its own budget document going forward, as opposed to it being included in the county's budget document. Our CIP revenues and expenditures were reduced in 21, again, because of the economic impacts of COVID-19. 
And for fiscal year 22, we anticipate a normalization of funding for our capital projects, and we've built in 13.1 million accordingly. Another change reflected in the 22 budget is the treatment of the state sales tax for education. Previously, that dollar amount, that revenue, came to the county, and the county passed through those dollars to the school division 100%. This year, we had proposed, rather than it come to the county first, that those dollars just be directly deposited with the school division. And our research indicated that that's how most other jurisdictions handle that revenue source. I'd mentioned previously that we have a total of eight funds, the general fund being our operating fund. That makes up the majority of our budget, about $200.2 million of the $224 million total. And I also wanted to point out our capital projects fund, which is also pretty significant, at $19.5 million. Our debt service fund of $18.6 million supports projects that were previously in our capital projects fund, but funded through the issuance of debt. And then we have several other funds that we refer to as special revenue funds. And what that represents are funds that primarily collect revenue through grants or restricted sources and have to be used for those purposes. And then I did want to point out that we also do elimination of interfund transfers. And you'll see that as the very last line item. And the reason we do that is so that we're not double counting certain expenditures or certain revenues. A good example of that is our lodging tax. You've probably heard a lot about our lodging tax this year. That dollar amount, what we collect in, in lodging tax, first is deposited in our general fund, but the Code of Virginia then requires that 60% of that be used for tourism. So the funds go to the general fund, and then we transfer 60% of it to our tourism fund. We don't want to account for those dollars twice, and so that's why we eliminate that in what we refer to as an interfund transfer. Moving on to our operating fund, also known as our general fund, a few highlights again. Our 22 proposed budget amount is $202.2 million. That reflects a $6 million or a 3.1% increase over the current year. And it reflects a decrease of $16.8 million over the 22 plan. I did want to mention that a big part of that decrease has to do with the treatment of that sales tax for education. Although it's down $16.8 million, 13 million of that is because of the way we're accounting for the sales tax for education. Again, we're not proposing any increase in the real estate tax rate or the personal property tax rates. And there is a proposal to implement a new cigarette tax and that, that the revenue generated from that be allocated fully to capital improvement program. The general fund includes the addition of eight and a half positions out of the 12 that we mentioned previously. And the estimated cost to provide services, per usual, always exceeds our actual revenue projection. And for fiscal year 22, our request of about $900,000, um, that were dollar amount that was requested that we were not able to fund. Most of that relates back to those personnel positions I mentioned earlier. Our general fund personnel requests versus proposed, again, you had heard earlier that we had about 25 and a half positions that were requested, of which eight and a half were proposed. And here we're outlining what those actual positions are. Uh, in our voter, registra voter registration area, we are proposing to uh, add one FTE. We have a couple positions being added to our police department and public safety. 
We have a conversion of a part-time position in the satellite services office to assist with DMV select services. We have a principal planning position to focus on transportation being proposed for community development. We have four different positions in general services related to our convenience center, a budget and purchasing specialist, a capital projects coordinator, as well as a sureties coordinator. Taking a deeper dive into the revenue side of the budget, um, this chart just outlines the major sources of the revenue for the county, and again, the biggest category being the general property taxes. I did want to draw attention to the other local taxes line. That's where we account for the majority of what we refer to as our tourism-related dollars. So this is our sales tax, it's our additional 1% historic triangle tax, it's our meals tax, and our lodging tax. As you can see, because of the COVID impacts in 2021, we had only budgeted $19.6 million in that category. The plan for 22 reflects what's more normal, 29.5. So you can see there, there was about a $10 million reduction in revenues because of COVID-19 to, to our area. For the 22 proposed, based on where we stand today, what we've seen up to this point and what we're projecting to see into the future, we've increased that to 26.7 million. I also wanted to mention that state and federal line. You've heard me talk about the sales tax for education and the change in the accounting practice there. That's where you'll see the impact. You'll see the 22.8 million, 29.1 million, but for 22 proposed, it's 15.6 million. We're still receiving the same dollar amount, but that sales tax for education won't come to the county, it'll go directly to the school division. A few more details in each of those categories. For the 21, fiscal year 21 budget, we had assumed because of COVID-19 that we potentially could experience lower tax collections, fewer home improvements, and possibly a decline in vehicle purchases. Fiscal year 22 is a real estate non-reassessment year, so any revenue uh, increase in this area for 22 is prim primarily driven by new development and new construction. And I did want to mention the increase in public service corporation tax. We are projecting about a million dollars of additional tax. That tax does come from the state, and it specifically relates to one project, uh, the Skiffs Creek Connector Project, which is online and operational now. As for other local taxes, again, this is where we felt the impact from the tourists, the tourism industry. We are projecting increases in sales and lodging taxes as the economy starts to recover. We did make adjustments in our meals tax revenue. This is an area that we had not projected to take as big of a hit as what we saw. Um, we are anticipating a recovery, but we did make some adjustments to true up what we think that amount will actually be. Our historic triangle additional 1% sales tax continues to be allocated to one-time expenditures in our capital improvement program. And again, the implementation of the new cigarette tax, we estimate to collect approximately $900,000 for revenue in that area, and that would be allocated entirely to capital improvement. For our licenses, permits, and fees, we do have some recovery programmed in our building permits area as well as business licenses. I did want to mention business licenses, also referred to as BPOL. It will be based in 22 on the 21 gross collections, so it's unlikely that we'll, we'll see our pre-COVID level. Um, because it's based on gross receipts, we're anticipating gross receipts as a result of COVID-19 will be lower than a normal year would be.
We have a full year of revenue program for certain development and stormwater fees. Those increase or new fees were implemented this fiscal year, but it was implemented mid-year, so we only had six months of revenue reflected in 21. We have a full 12 months built into the 22 budget. As far as revenue that we received from the Commonwealth of Virginia, we included a reimbursement from the Compensation Board for a 5% raise that's been proposed by the state for our constitutional officers and their staff, effective July 1st, 2021. And again, the removal of the sales tax for education from the county's budget. In terms of our charges for services, uh, our recycling program, our charge for service program, it's still relatively new. We're within a couple of years of that program. And again, we continue to monitor and adjust the revenue there based on the current level of participation. We are not proposing any change in the fee itself. Our convenience center has experienced an increase in volume this year, and so we have proposed higher revenues from that source. And we have some minor fee increases and in certain park-related fees, um, specifically bike rentals, camp camping, boat slips, parking, et cetera. And that's, that revenue would be used to help defray some of the rising costs to operate those programs. In terms of our fund balance, our general fund fund balance, we are not proposing to use any of our fund balance to fund ongoing operations, whereas in fiscal year 2021, we did utilize about $2 million of our fund balance um, that we received from the schools to help fund school operations in 21. We are not proposing to do that again in 22. We are proposing to allocate our a portion of our fund balance to help fund capital improvement projects for fiscal year 22. And again, primarily, for fiscal year 20 and 2021, our capital program was put on hold. We delayed funding new projects and we delayed projects that were already funded until the economy started to turn around and our cash flow could be stabilized. So now we're anticipating that we're, we're moving to more normal operations and because those savings did materialize, we are proposing that we utilize some of those savings to help fund some of those projects that were put on hold. Moving on to the expenditure side of the budget, um, this chart here really just shows you how the different uh, dollars are allocated amongst the departments of the county. Again, I did want to draw attention to the contribution to the WJCC school division. If you look at the three numbers there, it looks like our funding is actually going down. And I wanted to make, make sure that it was known that the, the decrease there, again, has to do with that sales tax. About $13 million that we used to receive and give to the schools will now go directly to the schools. So although the number looks like it's down in 2022, it's actually up. Um, after we take out the sales tax for education, uh, we actually increased our local contribution to the school division by about $1.4 million, the same amount that was included in the plan uh, this time last year for 22. This graphic here really just presents the budget in a different fashion. Uh, for every dollar that is spent by our taxpayers, it shows you where the dollars are going, the different functional categories. Um, the majority of it, of course, about 50% or 50 cents on every dollar goes to our school division, and about 15 cents of every dollar goes to public safety. So combined between the two, that, that represents about 65% of our budget. What the average homeowner pays, what we're demonstrating to you here is on average, our assessed value of our home is about $338,000. 
and applying the tax rate to that, that would generate about $2,800 in annual real estate taxes. And again, this just shows you of that $2,800 paid annually, how those dollars are allocated to the budget. Again, the biggest portions go into the school division and public safety. Moving on to the strategic plan, and again, making sure that our budget aligns with the goals. Again, our strategic plan includes seven primary goals. Goal number one will be covered by Mr. Powell here shortly with JCSA. In terms of our infrastructure and our facilities, this is the area that probably took the biggest hit with COVID-19. Um, again, you've heard me mention that we delayed quite a bit of our capital improvements. And this is the area where most of those projects were deferred until the recovery um, started to materialize. Again, for 21, we did fund a minimal amount of projects, primarily those that were related to maintenance, safety concerns, and just critical needs. Again, as the revenues are starting to approve for 22, we have several stormwater projects listed here that are included in our capital improvement plan, as well as a well facility replacement at Chickahominy Riverfront Park and construction of the Grove Convenience Center in the lower part of the county. In terms of transportation funding, uh, the budget does reflect a $250,000 increase in what had been our previous commitment of about $1.5 million. About $100,000 of that allocation is being proposed to use for a transportation planner position that would be devoted to transportation needs. That includes a salary as well as the benefit package that that position carries with it. In terms of our local economy here, of course, tourism has been a major focus this past year in particular and also making sure that the projects that are being proposed aligns with the Shape in Our Shores master plan. There are several projects that are planned for the Jamestown Beach Event Park, including some parking enhancements, as well as some additional event venues, a boat storage facility, and a park maintenance building, as well as some improvements to our marina. This includes site improvements, relocating some ramps, again, some parking, um, and additional boat slips. Looking at the southern end of the county, the CIP also devotes some dollars to some property design, land, and construction of a new lower county park. And it also includes some improvements to our War Hill sports complex, specifically to the basketball courts, as well as several baseball fields. In the area of public safety, uh, for our fire department, the CIP includes funding to replace several fire apparatus, both in the fiscal year 22 as well as the four additional years in the plan. And in our police department, we provide, for, we provide funding for the expansion of the firing range and the replacement of the interview room system. We have future planning for covered parking at the law enforcement center for some specialty vehicles as well as a driving simulator. Lots of activity going on with the school division. Our CIP includes funding of about $7.5 million in fiscal year 22, including several enhancements to various schools um, at all levels, elementary, middle, and high school. It also includes some parking lot repairs and some playground equipment replacements. And then our future funding includes expansion of the high schools, some refurbishments, turf replacement at Cooley Field, and some HVAC system replacements at several schools as well. Finally, in terms of making sure that we are fiscally efficient, fiscal year 21 did present challenges to us. 
Um, just a few of the things that we did do this past 12 months or so um, in response to the pandemic. The county staff adapted to several new safety measures to help prevent the spread of the virus. Departments had to continue to provide exceptional ser services with reduced funding sources. A hiring freeze was put into place last March and it remained in place through December 2020. Our fund balance was used to restore funding for certain limited expenditures. We had the effective use of federal CARES funding and some other relief funding for some unanticipated expenditures, including PPE, and to also help support some local businesses, nonprofits in the community, as well as the school system. And we worked very closely with the Virginia Department of Health, the city of Williamsburg, York County, to establish a vaccination center at the Colonial Williamsburg Visitor Center to assist in the administration of the vaccine to employees as well as the public. So for 22, with the distribution of the vaccine and again, an anticipated economic recovery, funding's been provided for the 3% cost of living increase for employees, some new positions to help meet ongoing needs of our departments and our citizens, funding to share in the increased cost of health insurance offered to our employees, and the restoration of capital funding. I did want to mention um, for users of our documents, we also made a couple of enhancements to our documents to our document this year. The first was an overall cosmetic facelift, just in terms of modernizing our document, as well as incorporating some best practices from some of the agencies that we follow and we receive guidance from. We also included in our capital program section of our document, not only our five-year plan, but also the status of our current projects. Throughout the year, we're, all, we're often going to our board to ask them to approve contracts for various capital projects. So we thought it would be helpful for the public to see those, those projects and where they are in terms of um, the duration of those projects. We've also included some appendices in the back to include all the various taxes and fees that the county, that the county um, includes in its budget and charges for various services. And we hope that you find those useful and we also would welcome any feedback that you may have for our document. And finally, in closing, I just wanted to recap a few opportunities um, that are coming in the next several weeks um, for public feedback and comment. First, we have our public hearing on the budget on April 13th at 5 p.m. We have a business meeting scheduled for April 27th at 1 p.m. And we have a regular meeting in the budget adoption on May 11th at 5 p.m. And the location for all three of those would be right here at the government complex in this building at Mounts Bay. And with that, that's all I have today. Thank you so much, Sharon. I would like to take a moment to remind our viewers at home that this is a great opportunity to send us any questions that you might have. If you're watching this live, please leave a comment or a question on our Facebook page. You can also call, I want to make sure I get the number right, 757-253-6760. Or you can email community.meetings at jamescitycountyva.gov. And for those of you who are watching this as a playback, we will have other ways at the end that you can send us your questions. So back to you. Right. Renee, thanks for the, uh, reminding folks of how they would communicate with us. With uh, that, I will turn it over to Mr. Doug Powell and talk about JCSA, but proposed budget. Thank you, and good afternoon. It is my pleasure to present the proposed FY22 James City Service Authority Budget and Capital Improvement Program. 
The authority provides municipal water and wastewater collection services within the primary service area of James City County. Operational and maintenance responsibilities include wells, water distribution lines, sewage pumping stations, and sewage collection lines. The authority's source of water is groundwater, and we are the largest public utility in Virginia that relies solely on groundwater. As Ms. Day mentioned, this is the first year that the authority's budget is presented as a separate budget and not part of the county's budget. The authority relies solely on user fees to fund its budget and does not receive any funding from the county. Our budget consists of two funds, the water fund and the sewer fund. The authority's budget this year focuses on four major issues. Sustainable long-term water supply, modernizing aging infrastructure, facilities, and technology, succession management, recruitment and retention of employees, and regulatory compliance. This chart shows the FY21 adopted budget, the original FY22 plan, and the FY22 proposed. As you can see, the FY22 budget is substantially lower than the FY21 budget. This slide highlights the major changes from FY21. The most significant is that the authority borrowed $9 million in fiscal year 21 to fund replacement projects in two neighborhoods where the existing lines were outdated and undersized. This is the primary, primary difference in the amounts of the budgets over the past two years. The proposed FY22 budget also uses unrestricted reserves in the sewer fund to supplement a repair and replacement fund and to fund certain capital projects. It also includes additional revenue as a result of an incremental rate increase recommended by a rate study conducted last year. In addition, the budget funds recommendations from a recruitment and retention study and includes four new positions. Two of these positions, a water quality specialist and a water production maintenance mechanic, will help to address regulatory requirements imposed on public water providers. Another position, the building technician, will assist to maintain the 108 facilities that the authority owns. And another position, the human resources analyst, was also recommended by the recruitment and retention study to assist with human resources activities. Lastly, there are several areas where our revenue is expected to be less uh, than it was in the current year. The authority received CARES Act funds in fiscal year 21 to assist customers who became delinquent due to COVID hardships. Those funds will not be received uh, in fiscal year 22. Water facility revenue, which are fees paid by new development, is anticipated to be less in FY22, and interest revenue is projected to decline. This slide summarizes the proposed revenues and expenses for FY22. As I mentioned earlier, our revenue comes solely from user fees, the vast majority of which are service fees based on customers' usage. Our largest expense is personnel, but we propose $6.3 million in operating costs, another $1.9 million in debt service, and a little over $3.9 million for capital projects. Before I discuss the proposed rates, I want to highlight that water use is decreasing over time, almost 17% in the last 10 years. The authority promotes conservation and views declining water demand as a positive trend. However, as with any utility, the vast majority of our expenses are fixed, and the declining water demand thereby creates some fiscal challenges, especially in the face of aging infrastructure and the need for an alternative water supply. The proposed budget includes a 3.5% increase in water rates in each of our four tiers and recommends no change in the sewer rates for fiscal year 22. 
I'm not going to read every number on this slide, but as an example, the rate in the first tier would increase from $3.62 per thousand gallons to $3.75 per thousand gallons. And the monthly fixed charge on a 5 8 inch meter, which is a typical residential meter, would increase from $5.23 to $5.41. As a result of these proposed rate changes, a typical 5,000 gallon per month user would see their bill increase from $43.84 to $44.77, an increase of 93 cents or a 2.1% increase. If these changes are adopted, the authority would still have the lowest water bill in the Hampton Roads region and would have the third lowest combined water and sewer bill in the Hampton Roads region for a typical 5,000 gallon a month user. Before I conclude, I did want to talk about some of the initiatives under each one of our four uh, go, uh, focus areas in the, current, in the proposed budget. Uh, we have, uh, um, in, the, in terms of uh, a sustainable long-term water supply, the budget contributes funds to a reserve fund that has been established to fund an alternative water supply project once it is identified. The budget also continues the practice of promoting conservation through an increasing block four-tier rate structure. We have several projects intended to modernize our infrastructure, including the neighborhood improvement projects I mentioned earlier, as well as the renovation to one of our lift stations. Also included are several technology enhancements to our software, communication systems, and meter reading process. The budget also includes a contribution to a repair and replacement fund and creates the aforementioned building technician position. With regard to succession management, I've already mentioned the recruitment and retention study, but specifically the study rec recommends a one-grade increase for most authority employees and a longevity adjustment for employees who've been with the authority for 10 years or more. The budget also includes a 3% general wage increase and an HR analyst to manage recruitment and retention activities. And for the last of our four focus er areas, regulatory compliance, the budget funds uh, recommendations from a corrosion control study, funds ongoing requirements from a consent agreement that applies to our sewer system, and funds the two previously mentioned positions to help address a variety of regulatory issues, including a new lead and copper rule and corrosion control initiatives that require additional sampling and water quality tasks. This last slide, Ms. Day uh, is, presents the same information that Ms. Day uh, concluded her presentation with, so I will not rehash that. Um, and that concludes my presentation, and I believe I'm turning it over to Mr. Stevens from here. Um. Renee is shaking her head yes, yes, so that would be right. So, uh, Mr. Powell, thank you for that presentation. I appreciate that. Um, I don't think we've had any questions come in during our conversation, no, which means you two did a great job presenting the budget, so I appreciate that. Uh, I do want to, to mention, if you're watching this uh, not live, but at a later time, we still have provided an opportunity for you to ask your questions, and I would encourage you to call 757-253-6609. Again, 757-253-6609 if you've watched this uh, through some kind of rebroadcast and, and have questions. You may email us, and I would encourage you to email me, and I'll be happy to respond or get it to the appropriate person. And that is scott.stevens, S-T-E-V-E-N-S, at jamescitycountyva.gov. Again, scott, S-C-O-T-T, dot Stevens, S-T-E-V-E-N-S, at jamescitycountyva.gov. And that could be budget-related or other questions about your county government. And then you can also... Um, Watch this on the county's Facebook page or jamescitycountyva.gov forward slash 
2020. Or no, just 220. 220, correct. Right. That's yes. not 2020. 220. <laughs> Thank you, Renee. That's why you've got me over there to back me up. And then in terms of next steps for us, uh, as Ms. Day mentioned, we do have a budget public hearing April 13th um, at 5 o'clock. Uh, the board will have a budget discussion during their business meeting on April 27th at 1 o'clock, and we're hopeful the budget would be adopted at the Board of Supervisors' May 11th meeting uh, again at 5 o'clock. So with that, I will turn it back over to Ms. Dahlman to close us out. Well, thank you both, or thank you, all of you, for coming in and giving this great presentation. And again, just to reiterate, if you have questions, it is not too late. The budget is not expected to be adopted until May 11th. So please send us your questions. So that wraps up this episode of This Week in James City County. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. And like Mr. Stevens said, we are going to rebroadcast this on Facebook as well as the channel and on our website. So you will be able to get this message and share it with your friends and family. We would love to get your feedback. So once again, thank you so much, and we will talk with you next time.